This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When it comes down to it, what are we at our core? We are North American waterfowl. Hello and welcome to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. My name is Elliot and today I'm going to bring you a hunt recap. I have quite a bit to say about and then a comment of the week. And for you Johnny Cash lovers, I've got some of you may already know about this, but I've got a really cool piece of information that I didn't know about until just recently um, that I think that you really, really love. Um, so I'm excited to bring that to you guys. So um, before I get into all of the content of that, I want to do a little bit of recap. It is 11, 14, 2023 right now while I'm recording this. And I thought it would be fun to take a look at uh, my productivity this season and also go back and look at my productivity of last season during the exact same time frame amounts. I thought that would be an interesting thing to do to kind of compare my numbers last year, this year. And as you guys know, I'm using the North American waterfowler.com to log all of my information. And I would encourage you guys to do that as well. I can tell you if you are a hardcore North American waterfowler, like I am, then you enjoy a lot. Uh, it's a really enjoyment for you to go back and look at past hunts, how you did look at pictures, look at just everything about the hunt. And also to be able to learn from your data as well and go back and look and group all of your hunts in certain locations and check the weather and all of that, all of which you can do at the North American Waterfowler podcast. It's also an app on iOS and on Android, Google Play Store. Just look up North American Waterfowler and you can find it there. It's a, it's a download. You can do the free trial, see if you like it. And if you don't like it, then you can um, delete the account 
and move on about your way. But I, I really think that you'll like it. I know I certainly love it. So anyway, let's take a look at my numbers from last year. Now, I will preface this with saying that you never want your hunts to be all about your numbers. It doesn't need to be a game of puffing my chest because I, I can shoot the most ducks. Now, numbers are fun. Numbers add enjoyment, but also memories add enjoyment as well. So you really need to make sure, it's my opinion, that you need to make sure to be fully enjoying your experience. And, you know, if you shoot half a limit and have some good decoys, that shouldn't bum you out. If only shooting half a limit or two or three ducks to do it right gives you a problem, then maybe you might want to, my opinion is you might want to reevaluate why you're hunting and why you're doing it. But adding in statistics and numbers can certainly add value to what you're doing. That's my opinion. So let's take a look at last year. Last year, I had hunted at this exact time from September 1 to November 14th. I had been on 17 hunts. I had harvested 52 waterfowl. I was shooting 70% at the time. Uh, my harvest per hunt average was 3.05. I had actually lost four, which is a ridiculously high number. And I had shot five doubles. The birds I had shot at that time where I had shot 22 blue wing teal, nine green wing teal, five gadwall, three bufflehead, three mallard drakes, three shovelers, two widgeon drakes, mallard hen, pintail drake, wood duck drake, and two hooded mergansers. Um, and now let's compare that to how I'm sitting now, which is really interesting because I have the exact same number of hunts. Last year at this time I had 17. This year, exact same date, I have 17 hunts. This year I have harvested 70. So my bird per um, hunt average has gone up to 4.1. My shooting has gone down to 57%. I've lost three birds, six doubles. And let's look at which birds I've actually harvested. 33 blue wing teal, 13 gadwall, 12 green wing, two mallard drakes, two pintail drakes, two pintail hens, two ringnecks, one shoveler, one widgeon drake, one widgeon hen, and one coot, which I did take on one hunt. And my stepson was not very happy with me about it. He's like, don't take it, don't take it. But it was fun. And so and so I took it. Um, so that's kind of a look at where it was last year, this year. Um, I, I strive, my goal is to average over three ducks a hunt. So at 4.1, I'm really, really happy with the season that I'm having. It's going really, really well. Um, and let's see if I can go in and find how many retrieves Izzy or Izzy <laughs> Georgie has right now. Um, I know that's in there somewhere. I think it's right about she has a hundred exactly. Georgie has a hundred retrieves to this point in the year, which is something that we added to the app and website, which is a really cool feature. You can upload a little picture of your dog and the number of retrieves and everything. So pretty cool to go back and look at those numbers so interesting i'm having a little better year than last year although the mallards have just not shown up i know there's sometimes at this point in the year i've shot you know, way more than two mallard drakes so we are waiting for the mallards to show up i have seen or heard of some people shooting some but as of right now it really seems like that this state is just kind of void of mallards we just don't really have them right now so i'm fine with shooting green wing teal and shooting gadwall but I'm really excited about the Mallard Drakes and, and I am ready to get into some situations where it's mainly Mallard Drakes. Last Saturday was my last hunt and it went fairly well. Um, and it was mostly pintails, which I'll, I will get into that hunt in all in its entirety and go through that for you. It was a very in interesting day that I had talked about my plan for the big 
Elliott weekend of just taking off, traveling, being by myself. So we'll go, we'll go through all that in a moment. Before we get to that, I want to remind you to support Final Approach, fabrand.com. And I'm the comment of the week today is going to be going over what different blinds that I use. And one of my favorite pieces, which I have not used this year, but one of my favorite pieces from Final Approach is the stand-up blind. It's kind of like an A-frame. So it's pretty easy to set up. You can set it up on dry ground. You can set up in a marsh. It really adds a lot of mobility to you're hunting. You can, if you can get it into a place, you can set it up. It hides you guys really, really well. So I would suggest if you're looking for that type of that that type of um, blind, the stand-up blind from Final Approach is something you might want to think about. They also have a really cool panel blind that I know Golden Boy's got. I haven't hunted out of it yet, but I know he's pretty happy with it. So um, all of your waterfowl needs, check out fabrand.com. Your your product code there is FDH10, and that will get you 10% off. If you're in the market for duck calls, go over to ducklandercalls.com, Bobby Hayes' organization, and order calls from him. The product code over there is NAW23, and that will get you 10% off. And as always, um, Onyx Hunt is going to be crucial to you upping your waterfowl game if you don't have Onyx Hunt app. I just can't say enough about it and how much it's going to improve you as a duck hunter. So let's go ahead and jump in to my hunting weekend. So last time that I I talked to you guys, I mentioned that my plan was to go on a big travel trip all by myself, figure out where to sleep and and that I just really needed that time. And, And I was so excited about that trip. Um, there was something in my soul that was just beckoning travel, me and my dog, not knowing where I'm going to stay, just chasing ducks for a whole weekend. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that. I had a, a death to someone fairly close to me, not, not an immediate family member and not a real close friend, but someone from my past that I really felt like I needed to attend the funeral. So Friday I went to that funeral, got that done, um, paid my respects. And so that just left me with Saturday to be able to hunt. So I was still wanted to do a lot of traveling. I still wanted to cover some distance. So I actually got up really, really early uh, Saturday and just took off. And I was going to an area that was quite a ways away from me. And my plan, I was going to try to consolidate uh, my two-day trip of scouting and hunting into one day. So um, when I finally got to this location, it was still fairly early and I walked into a cove that I'd never seen before and heard some quacking, uh, saw a little group of green wings in there. And I thought, you know what, I really need to put the big boat on the water so I can actually get into this cove and really see what it's about. And one thing with feet on the ground, because I know I talk a lot about satellite imagery and scouting and stuff, but until I get my feet on the ground, into a place, my chance of hunting it is really, really slim. I have found that if I don't lay eyes on locations, I'm probably not going to hunt. Once I see it and visualize it and see it in person, my chance of hunting those places go way up. So even in this situation where I walked into this cove and I saw some birds, I really didn't know what it fully looked like. So I decided I need to put the boat on the water. So I went up to the boat ramp, um, put the boat on the water, And from the first second 
that I was trying to do things. I was un- undoing the straps. I was putting in the plug. Everything was just being a little challenge. Have you ever had one of those days where every little thing that you do just seems like it's a frustration? You know, you're pulling out the decoys and one of the decoys gets stuck under something. You can't get it out or there's a cord wrap. Or you got to tangle it. It just seems like some days, sometimes things are just more difficult than they should be. And this is right off the bat on this day. This is how it was feeling to me. And I had been noticing something about myself. Well, I've known this about myself, but I had been really thinking about it a lot lately is that when things aren't really going my way. And I don't mean big catastrophes, like I said, just little things, things getting tangled, just when things seem hard, my frustration levels go higher than what I want them to be. Now I don't start yelling at people and I don't start acting like a complete jerk face or anything, but my attitude turns really bad. Um, and I feel like it just affects me way more severely than it should. And it's really been bothering me. It's been bothering me. It's been something that I want to work on, on myself. It's like, you know what? I need to have better control of my emotions when things feel a little frustrating. I I don't need to be grumbling. I don't need to be griping. Even if it's under my breath, I don't need to be having just that dark heart um, when, when those things are happening because it does affect the people around me. You know, whether I'm griping at them or not, which I'm not, Um, it's still, when you're with someone that just gets too frustrated too quickly and they're grumbling, they're griping, it brings down the whole atmosphere. And I don't want to do that to people I'm around. I I don't want to be that dark cloud when things aren't going bad. And I don't want to do it for myself, even when I'm by myself. It's not a fun spirit to have when every little bad thing's happening and, and you're just moaning and griping and, you know, great figures, you know? And so it's really something that I want to work on. And when I was getting the boat prepped to put in the water. These things were happening automatically. And I said to myself, you know what? Today, I'm going to work on this. And I am going to make a point to just take things more as they come, not let the little things make me stressed out. And I'm going to work on this today. And and I prayed a little bit about it. Asked God to help me with it. And... I moved on and I dropped the boat in the water. I got into the boat and I went to grab the fuel tank and move it. And there's a a fuel hose that goes from the tank into the motor and it's got a little ball pump on it that you can squeeze it to help the gas get into the motor better. And And it broke. It snapped off and it just broke. 80, 90% of my day was revolving around using this boat. And right then, man, it's like, (laughs) I'm being tested. I'm being tested to my reaction, my reaction to this. And so to make a long story short, I'm going to go through this whole hunt, but to, to make a long story short, this day was filled every step of the way on this hunt day. Even, even I shot my limit, even the limit itself to the very end of the day when I was pulling out the boat ramp, I'm telling you every single part of this day was, was grabbing at my ankles and pulling. If I were to sit down and just write down a list of things that went wrong on even just little things, you know, it's like God heard me make that proclamation in the morning 
and said, okay, here we go. I'm, I'm going to put it in front of you. I'm going to make this day grueling in every little way that I can. And, and we're going to work through this together. And I would say I did a much better job. I, I really felt at the end of the day, like God was putting me through some trials, putting me through some tests. Like, Hey, you said you wanted to work on this. You braided me about it. Let's do it. Here we go. Let's do it. It's just you. You're by yourself. L- let's work on it. And I felt like I did a really good job that day. Now, now my goal from here on out is to take that and move it forward. Not just let that be a day long thing where in three weeks, I'm still feeling overly frustrated about all the little things going wrong and that type of thing, but to take that momentum of that day and extend it, make it a time in my life where in a year, in half a year, whatever, the way that I deal with frustrations is unrecognizable or my attitude towards small frustrations is unrecognizable than it was before this. That, that's my goal as, as God helps me mature, as God helps me become a better person, as, as, I, as I allow him to work in my life, is that's my goal. And, and it was really, that aspect of the day was really important and special to me that um, it made me feel a closeness to God um, in that he was with me, he had heard me, and he was working with me on things about myself. So I just wanted to share that for those of you that are believers in, in Christ and you have things about yourself that he's showing you, whisper it to him, recognize those things that you need to improve and, and go out there and, and tackle them. Because that's part of the joy of a relationship with Jesus Christ is that he is there to help you become a better you. So anyway, thank you for listening. I'm moving on to the actual day itself. Um, I couldn't put the boat on, on that cove. So my scouting was kind of limited. So I did, I was able to get in still some decent scouting. I went back to that other cove. I walked in from a different way. I found, I really liked that little cove. I was surprised there wasn't as many ducks in there as what I was hoping there would be. It was a Saturday and no one was hunting it. There was smart weed in there. There was, I only saw a handful of ducks, but it looked good. And now it's in my mind and I, and I like that spot. So at that location, I scouted to two or three other places. Nothing really jumped out to me. I really wasn't seeing the birds. I really wasn't seeing the birds at all. Um, now, I had gotten some information from a friend that, in fact, a pin on, on X from a friend. He's like, hey, man, the birds are stacked up here. And I didn't go in there first right off the bat because I just wanted to get my scout. I wanted to do my scouting. I'm like, I know the birds are in there. Um I know it was an opening day situation. So I'm like, I'm going to take my time. I want to go through my scouting progression, go in and maybe I can get in on these birds over here later. Um, so after I had scouted where I was at, didn't really find anything. I went ahead and moved on to that area. I thought, well, you know, it's about 930 by that time. It's about 930. Let me go see if a lot of times people start heading out between nine and 10 o'clock, people start leaving. So I went over there, drove, drove all the way over there. It was, this was quite a ways away from where my first location was. I went kind of to the area of the pen and there was like six groups hunting in this small area. It was jam packed with other hunters. Now I was seeing a lot of ducks at this point, but it was jam packed with hunters. So I proceeded to just drive around the complex and just 
I wasted a bunch of time. <laughs> I wasted two or three hours just driving around, walking around, looking at places, meeting people in the parking lot. I talked to this one guy for like 45 minutes. It was a really fun conversation. Um, really enjoyed talking to him. And and I was just having a slow paced day. And I really still wasn't sure what I was going to do because my whole plan was the boat. And there's six people in the place I wanted to hunt. And my dad left a voicemail because I had told him the problem. And he's like, I think you might be able to get this fixed. At this point in time, I'd say that my spirits were low. I wasn't being grumbly. I didn't have like that negative spirit I was talking about. My, my spirits were low. The day was dragging on. There was tons of people in the one place I kind of wanted to hunt. Um, I knew that I could find a place to hunt if I had the boat, but the boat had broke down. And so the day was feeling like, and all along the way, little bad things were happening. <laughs> Uh, and I re actually had gotten this voicemail from my dad earlier and I'd kind of dismissed it. Foolish me. You know, I'm, I'm 50 and I should be wise enough to know if my dad gives me some advice, I should thoroughly think about it. So the voicemail, I thought about it again. I went and re-listened to the voicemail and I'm like, you know, maybe he's right. Maybe, maybe this little fix to the fuel hose, I can fix this. Stop. I had that stupid thing fixed within like five minutes. <laughs> Like I just didn't listen to my dad enough. I dismissed, I dismissed it. I was like, Oh, I don't, that won't work. You know, instead of being like, Hey, you know what? Um, this guy's been around a lot longer than me. He's been around boats a lot longer than me. Maybe I should fully consider his idea. Not just think, Oh, that's not going to work. And it worked. I literally 10 minutes. I had thing fixed. And I, and my spirits jumped at that time. Cause I'm like, okay, even though I know all those guys are there, I can put the boat on this area. And I bet you anything I can, I can go scout more. I can go find a place to hunt. I bet. And so I got back over in the area and, and put the boat on and kind of boated around to the area that I wanted to be. And the last boat was coming out as I was going in. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV. And I had the whole place to myself. I didn't even, I didn't get on there till like 1230, one o'clock. Um, but everyone was gone and I'm like, well, I, I don't know if there's still going to be ducks working. It's, it's pretty late. And, and I found this little slough um, with some really nice water, really, really nice habitat. And I had with me my Invisiman and the Invisidog is what I had with me. So I transported that in the boat. I got the boat. Set all of my decoy spread. I had a couple dozen of the FA Live Mallards. Um, I had pintails and gadwalls from FA. I had a couple dozen teal decoys from FA. And so I had a decent spread. And the wind wasn't bad. The wind was about southwest at about 13. So it was not bad at all. It was a decent wind. And by this time, the gray day had turned to kind of a sunny day. And so as soon as I got set up, I started seeing ducks work. Got everything set up, ditched the boat about 200 yards away. And birds started working. I started seeing them, most of which were pintails. I I was 
unpleasantly surprised at, I just was struggling to get birds to finish. Even though I had this Invisiman, I had it all brushed up. I had Georgie's dog hide beside me and I felt like we were hidden. For some reason, I just was having problems getting them, getting them to land. But there was quite a bit of movement. There was quite a bit of movement. And so I had two mallard drakes swing over the and I've never hunted out of the Invisiman before. And so I was finding the shooting to be difficult throughout the day. I'd never hunted with it. So it's like a big chair and you bring the doors on, on top of your chest and you have a little guard over your face and you pop up and take a shot. You have to open the doors and take a shot. And so these birds, instead of coming like right into the wind, for some reason they were wanting to swing around and come from the left. And so it was even harder to shoot that way because if they're coming from the left and I come up out of the doors and it's just, it was creating some problems. So the first shot that I actually took is I had these two mallard drakes. They did that same thing. They went around to the left and they were coming basically right over top of me at about 20 yards. So I pulled up. The doors were giving me problems. I, I should have clean killed this thing. Shot number one, seemed like I totally missed it. Shot number two, hit it, sails like 150 yards. So I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. My first shot, I got to get up and go 150 yards. And if you'd watched my videos on the Missouri River, we lost two birds on the last hunt because we sailed them um, into these frag mites. Oh, and by the way, um, a YouTube commenter let me know that real sportsmen, just so you guys don't know this, because if you've ever done this, you're not a real sportsman. Real sportsmen don't ever shoot birds that sail over fragments, just so you know. So apparently I'm not a real sportsman. If you're doing that, you're just not a real sportsman, because that's what he told me. So anyway, this sailed. It was a the shot selection was close. It was great. I just sailed the bird. Went 150 yards over. Georgie didn't really see it. She was trying and I got over there and got into these like, I don't know what kind of trees, what kind of bushes they were impenetrable bushes. <laughs> and I, I was like fighting to get through these things. And luckily I had lined it right. I went right through it and it was sitting there. It wasn't dead, but I mean, it didn't even move when I grabbed it. So I was disappointed that I had sailed it, but so relieved that I had picked it up and brought it back. So I got it brought back. Pintails are working and I'm just, they're really, really interested, but just, you know, how pintails can be just not willing to fully give it up. I had about seven pintails. They did the same thing that the mallards did. And this was probably, this shot was probably a mistake. I took this shot at about 30 yards, left to right shot, maybe 30, ah, maybe even 35. I mean, it was, I, I really want to kill birds inside of 30, like between 15 and 30 yards is, is really where I want to kill the birds. It's just what I want to do. I want to get them feet down. It's just more fun that way. Birds don't sail that way, but I was having so many problems getting these pintails to do what I wanted. It was like group after group after group that this group at 35, it was a beautiful Drake. And I went ahead took the shot, shot three times on it, sailed that bird. So this bird sailed even farther way over. And I thought the chance of me retrieving this bird was very, very low. George and I went over there and luckily again, I found it. And so after two birds, I was feeling my satisfaction level of this hunt was extremely low. I had two gorgeous birds, but I had sailed them both. I wasn't able to finish birds, even though I felt like I was hidden. And so my satisfaction level of this hunt was not doing very well. Um, 
And so over the course of from I was set up at one, I stopped hunting at about five. I had my limit about five. The rest of the birds that I shot were green wing teal. And during the time that I shot these four green wing teal, I probably had four or I'd say probably four beautiful pintail drakes hover over the decoys. And it was just a lesson to me of like, listen, I know what I like. I like hovering birds over the spinner. There was no reason for me to be so impatient and shoot that shot. Just because it was closer than the other ones, there's no reason for me to take it. There was a lot. I I should have figured, hey, I've got time. I've got all afternoon. And one thing I hunted with Matt Hyper Sportsman, and he is really, really good at this. I, I get a little impatient, a little worried that like opportunity missed. Like I got this huge, awesome bullpen tail at 35 yards. Take it. You know, where I've got four hours. There's pintails everywhere. Eventually, one of those big, beautiful pintail drakes is going to give it up. Be patient. And I saw Matt being patient throughout the day out there when I hunted with him, and it was impressive. And I need to do a better job of that. I'm going to do a better job of that. And so I took this sailing shot, and I had these pintails just giving it up, giving it up over the course of the day. I I ended up scooting my blinds back about 10 yards, which made a, a nice difference. Um, so, uh, I just wish that I had killed my pintail like I wanted to. It's more fun, more satisfying, better for the video, but I didn't. But the, I did have a couple of gorgeous groups of green wings come in. I doubled on one of them, but I just, my shooting on this day was really, really poor. I ended up being six for 17. I haven't shot 17 shells on a hunt for a long, long time, which tells you a little bit about my shot selection. I mean, I never take more than a box of shells. And in my 30 years of hunting, I've only gone over that 25 shells like one time. And it was like 28 on a day that was just will live in infamy with frustration that day. But uh, that so I've got to be more patient. But by the end of the day, I felt like I had sailed the two beautiful birds I had shot my teal, but it took me a bunch of shells to do it. I was six for 17. And I was thinking, man, this satisfaction level on this hunt is low. And it's this is something I'm going to add to the North American Waterfowler app for sure. A satisfaction rating where at the end of the hunt, it's going to be one to five. And I was thinking, I shot my limit, but my satisfaction rating on this hunt was like a two. Which actually makes me feel good because I know that it's not just all about numbers for me. If I'm giving a limit, a satisfaction rating of two, and I don't have this on the app yet, but I'd like to. I'd like to at the end of the year, you have like an average. Like in 2023 season, my average satisfaction was 3.7 out of five. Or, but the year before, my average satisfaction level was 4.6. So you could literally go back and say my most enjoyable year was 2022. And the interesting thing is I didn't even shoot that many ducks that year, but my hunts were just more satisfying. What was I doing on those hunts that made them more satisfying to me? And I think that'd be really, really interesting to do. So I'm going to start charting this in my notes because I was thinking about it. And honestly, at the end, I felt like the satisfaction rate of this hunt was like two out of five. Because it was at the end of the day where everything had just gone bad, just gone wrong in little ways. One of the things that had gone wrong is I opened up my Invisman. My dad and I went on a hunt not too long ago, and we shot one teal. That that video is actually on Patreon. I made a video of it, but it's it's just on Patreon. 
facebook.com slash freelance duck hunting, where it's just my dad and I on a little hunt. And he shot one teal. And when we got back to the truck, he's like, man, I think I forgot the teal back over, over to this place. And we looked and looked and looked. We could not find where this teal went. Well, when I opened the Invisiman to, uh, on this hunt where I was setting up to hunt, I smelled, <laughs> I opened the doors and this smell hit me in the face. I'm like, oh my gosh. I looked under the Invisiman seat and there was that teal full of big old fat maggots. This is the chair I got to sit in full of big fat maggots. So I had to pull this maggoty teal out of there, throw it off in the distance with my hand, get all those maggots out from under that seat. And then the whole day I could smell, it wasn't horrible, but I could smell that nasty decay smell. That was just one little thing that would have been on my list of frustrations for the day. Um, another one would have been my cell phone fell in the water. Luckily, luckily, luckily I heard it hit the water. Because I, I had been on my phone, kind of looking in some things, and I heard some birds all of a sudden show up in the air. So as I was sitting there, I put it down beside me, but there's these little holes in the Invisman. And I heard it plop. If I had not heard it plop, I would have lost my phone. That was another little thing that happened, a little joyful thing that happened during the day. Um, but luckily, I found it, and it was great. So anyway, as I was boating out on this hunt, it was about... 15, 20 minutes before sunset. And I looked at the sunset back behind me. And every time I looked at that sunset, that satisfaction rating started to raise, started to go up. And I started getting a little bit of perspective. Because here I was, a day of freedom by myself, just me and my dog. Beautiful pintail, beautiful mallard. And three of my four teal were beautiful little Drake green wings. And I was allowing myself to value this at a two. It was such a gorgeous night. I could just feel that satisfaction rating go up. And I, and I was putting it into perspective of all of the wonderful things that I had seen on this day, all the lessons that I had learned on this day. And my spirits just absolutely sailed. Till I got to the boat ramp and it took me 40 minutes to put the boat on the trailer because a screw um, on the bunk had come off and I couldn't keep it under the boat to where I had to stick my arm clipped to my shoulder in the cold water to get this thing fixed. Right. Cause the boat wasn't sitting right on the trailer. <laughs> that was the last fun thing that happened about the day, but it really, I really put it into perspective, um, and allowed me to, it was actually that moment with all the problems with the trailer that I realized all of the things that had gone wrong during the day and how God had been there with me, helping me work on myself, helping me do a better job of frustration management. And, and I became very grateful for this whole day and the, this whole experience. So I am going to move on to comment of the week. Before I do that, I'm going to take a quick break and I do want to play a, another song for you today. And I, I mentioned you Johnny Cash fans, and maybe you've heard of this or not, there is a guy who is calling himself the ghost of Johnny Cash. And when I heard some of his music, I thought it was Johnny Cash. I thought the ghost of Johnny Cash was an album that they had found some old recordings of Johnny Cash and they had released it. And I'm like, what in the world? What's this? all this fresh Johnny Cash content coming out? And I got research in, no, there is an artist who won't even show his face who's calling himself the ghost of Johnny Cash. And I am telling you, 
if this doesn't sound like Johnny Cash, I don't know. It, it, it to me it does. So this song I want to play for you is called House of the Rising Sun. It's been recorded by a lot of other artists, including Dolly Parton. <laughs> this is called House of the Rising Sun by the Ghost of Johnny Cash. There is a house in New Orleans. They call the Rising Sun. It's been the ruin of many a poor boy. And God, I know I'm one. mother was a tailor she sewed my new blue jeans my father was a gambling man way down in New Orleans The only thing a gambler needs Is a suitcase and a trunk And the only time he feels satisfied Is when he's on a drum All right, thank you for joining me. Appreciate you coming back from the break. It is time for us to get into the comment of the week. It's time for comment of the week. All right, this one comes on YouTube, and it was on a hunt video number seven of this season I put out called Open Duck Hunt, Prairie Marsh's Rule Supreme. It's by Adam Robinson, he says, what brand of blinds are you using? So I thought real quick, I would go through the different blinds that I have in my possession and um, just a little bit of information about my blinds. So my goal is to have all of the materials that I need to hunt every single situation. So for example, this weekend, I've got a friend coming out, actually Nate from Falling Tide. He's coming out and we're going to hunt Friday and Saturday. And I've been debating how we're going to do it because we could use the stand-up line, the final approach stand-up line, which is a, a great piece. I talked about it um, earlier in the episode. It's a wonderful piece of equipment. But another idea that I have is to bring the kayak and the Invisiman in um, if I use the A-frame, it'd be or the stand-up blind. It'd be the stand-up blind and the Invisidog for Georgie. A little higher profile. I'm thinking what I'm probably going to do instead is bring in my H-12 with the Northern Flight layout blind and the Invisiman. Georgie can get behind me in the blind, in the, in the low-profile um, Northern Flight blind, and then Nate can be in the Invisiman, and I feel like that's lower profile and, and less 
easier to hide. Also, I my stand-up line isn't quite as brushed and it takes a longer time to brush a stand-up line. And so I'm thinking that's the way to go, but I've got both of those options. I've got the Invisiman. I've got the Northern Fight Bl- Flight Blind that goes on my kayak. I've got the Final Approach stand-up line. So that's three three options that I've got. I also have the boat blind, which was um, self-made, not self-made. DYI project for my friend Charlie and Steve made it so we can use that, which we use that up on the Missouri River. That's not something you can buy, but that's a boat blind. Also, I've got two of the lightweight layout blinds from Final Approach. And the reason I've got those, and I'm trying this for the first time this year, when we hunt the river, late season, December and January, when it's ice and snowy, it's really, really hard to hide. And it's on ice. And so I've got two snow covers for that. Also, I've got um, some snow cover material coming from Jordan um, for my HTR A-frame because that's a lighter maneuverable blind. I may try that out there as well. What else do I have? Are there any other blinds that I have other than those? I think there's probably, I'm probably forgetting. So those are what I've got. I've got um, an A-frame from HDR, a stand-up blind from Final Approach, two of the lightweight, I think they're called knockout blinds from Final Approach, the um, H12 um, Northern Flight blind, and the Invisiman. Those are all the blinds that I that I currently have. And those allow me to be as versatile as humanly possible, which has been my dad and my goal for years. And this takes a quite a while to accumulate um, everything you need to be completely versatile. But I don't want to see any situation that I'm not prepared to hunt it. If I'm not prepared for it, it's only going to be because I don't have it with me, not because I don't own it. So those are the blinds that I currently have right now, Adam. Thank you so much for the question. Um, that will conclude a, another episode of the North American Waterfowler podcast. Guys, don't hesitate to reach out to me. They're on Instagram, Facebook, email me, um, join the Facebook group. I am going to have, it looks like, well, you know, I'm going to hold that as a secret. I'm not going to say that. I've got something exciting that's going to be coming up, but I want to get the details taken care of, of that before I bring it to you, but I'm really excited about it. But go and join the Facebook group, the North American Waterfowler Podcast. Come over to Patreon, patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. And again, I would suggest you downloading that app, the North American Waterfowler Podcast. So I've enjoyed bringing this content with you. Um, There will be a next one out on Monday. It'll be a follow-up with Nate from Falling Tide where we talk about his experience hunting up here in Kansas with me and his impressions. So thank you for listening. Until next time, you've listened to another episode of the North American Waterfowler Podcast. There is a house in New Orleans They call the rising sun And it's been the ruin of many a poor boy And God, I know I'm one My God, I know I'm one